Warning, warning, this is not a drill. A currently practicing polygamist man is the guest on the podcast this week. So please, I would appreciate it if you stopped complaining to friends and family about how I never have currently practicing polygamist men on the podcast. Thank you so much for your effective communication and handling this situation in an adult manner. I appreciate you immensely. (laughs) Hey guys, what's going on? Look, I'm a dork. You guys know that. And I've, I've been hearing rumors about how I've never had a polygamous man on the podcast and it's like caused a lot of people to be upset with me. And look, guys, I, I've i been trying, okay? And I am so glad that finally we were able to make it happen. And I think it's kind of cool that it's episode 42. What's the answer to life, the universe, and everything? It's the answer 42. And guess what? The solution to all my problems is now sitting down with me and talking to me about what it's like to have five wives. You guys might know this guy. He was the star of My Five Wives on TLC. He's been all over the map. He's sat down for interviews on talk shows. He's done podcasts. He's been on TV. And I've been in the background of his freaking TV show. He is one of my most favorite human beings. And I know I say that a lot, but he's great, man. He's awesome. And you heard him in the background of, of uh, the last episode. Uh, he was visiting my parents when we were uh, when we were recording. And so I was able to, you know, block out a two hour chunk uh, of his time and uh, we were able to sit down. So this is the first part of a two part episode coming down the pipe. And undoubtedly, there's going to be more content with this guy. And I am so stoked to see how you guys feel about listening to the episode that I have with my mom's second oldest brother. So when you when you were growing up and doing the LDS thing, were you taught about polygamy? No, no. Uh, like, yeah, growing up as a, a small kid, no. Like, uh, the first memory I have of polygamy, even the concept of it, was in Sunday school up there in Washington, and the Sunday school teacher. Gets up and says, "Hey, na- name the worst sins that you can think of." And he's going to list all these things, sins. How old were you? I had to be maybe twelve, eleven. That's kind of an 12. intense conversation to have with a twelve-year-old. Well, it's it's a Sunday school class, right? sure. And so sure. he's like, "Well, you know, what are the worst things that are going to make you go to the telestial kingdom?" And oh, you know, yeah. people raising their hand, uh, murder. Um, you know, adultery, uh, you know, stealing, stuff like that. And then, and then this girl, this, uh, I remember she's brown, brown haired, curly girl. Anyway, she raises and she says, polygamy. I'm like, well, that's a weird word. What, what, what's What's polygamy? polygamy? And, uh, and the teacher says, oh yeah, polygamy. And he writes it out and, and then he gives this brief explanation. But that's, that's my first memory of Polygamy, because it's not taught in the church, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Especially back then. It, it didn't it seemed, have the notoriety. It wasn't in the media. Yeah, it seemed as though, like, when, like, after the 1950s, when they had that other split or whatever it was, I can't remember exactly. My history is a little weird on that, but I, it seemed as though the church was, like, desperate to just distance themselves away from polygamy, like, pretty hardcore during that time. Yeah, is you that, don't need that have right? a conversation. Yeah. Like, it was just, I mean... For sure, it was like, mm, what did it really even happen to Joseph? Or is that just anti-Mormon rhetoric? Yeah. That's, that was the atmosphere. That was the environment to where, and that's still, there's still a holdover. Not too much anymore because it's so out in the open. And the church has even admitted, yes, Joseph had more than one wife. Yeah. Brigham had more than one wife. But... You know, here's the manifesto. Here's yeah. It just seems like it would be so easy to just find that information, no matter. I mean, I, of course, and with it the is advent internet. Of, well, I mean, with the internet and to, and stuff too, but also like the Journal of Discourses, like they have that in there. Yeah. Like that's a church publication. Like what? Like, it's just but it so, wasn't. You couldn't find Journal of Discourses back then. Oh really? Oh, you would have to go to the 
to the Sam Wellers, to, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sanders bookstore, the rare bookstores to find them. Mm-hmm. Like it was not available. Oh, I, that, I, I stand corrected. I thought it was just like a thing that everybody had. No. And that's probably just from that's growing up in Pinesdale. Where, yeah, yeah, all these fundies had them. Yeah, right? the and, fundies. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, so that was my first exposure to polygamy was that it was one of the worst sins in the world. Okay. You know, and then it wasn't four years later and, and I was immersed in that culture. And so it was four years later. Yeah. So you're 16 and grandpa says, well, this is what we're doing now. Mm-hmm. And so what yeah. was it like first coming in to Pinesdale and, and doing all that stuff for you? Well, first was the exposure that grandpa came home because he had, he had yeah. gone down to Utah and, and he'd been researching and found the book, the notes and, mm-hmm. and, uh, started on his little journey and which us kids were oblivious to in the very beginning. Right. Yeah. And then he, he decided he was going to convert and he came home and told us that what he was going to do, that he was going to be converting. He was leaving the church. He was going into the fundamentalist group and gave us a choice. He says, yeah. listen, you know, this is what I'm going to do. This is how I believe and why I believe it and gave us this little presentation. And, uh, you know, I, I was died in the world LDS. You know, yeah. I was going to serve a mission. I was, I was a good little Mormon boy. Yeah. Right. Straight laced. Yeah. And, uh, which is just kind of my personality, mm-hmm. serve it fully wherever I'm at. Right? Yeah. And so I was a good Mormon going to go on my mission and dad said that. And, and I was just like, well, I got to read it. Yeah. Like, I, I'm not going to just do this. And he said, yes, you can stay in the church, you know, take care of you. It's okay. And dad, so, dad was awesome that way. Yeah. So it, it sounds like grandpa wasn't, um, telling you, Hey, this is what we are doing now. Right. It's like, this is what I'm doing. And you guys do, you figure it out yourself. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Dad was great that way. And so he gave me the stuff and I, I started reading, you know, and, and, uh, I wasn't convinced and, in fact, I stayed home when uh, your mom and Chad and Jared and mom and dad all went to Pinesdale. Oh, you didn't go on that trip? I didn't go on that trip. Oh. I had a track, you know, I was big time in the track and I had a meet I'd miss. And that was more of an excuse because sure. I just wasn't ready. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I wasn't ready to experience that. It was a convenient excuse. Okay. Yep. Gotcha. And uh, I, I wanted to read. I wanted to study. I wanted to pray about it and figure okay. out what I what I how I felt about it. And then they went, came back and then sure enough, uh, I read more and more and more and I was ready. I was ready to go experience it. This is months later. So I have a, I have a question. So what exactly was the feeling? Because I mean, we talked about like, I mean, you know, in various episodes of like that still small voice or, you know, mm-hmm. the burning in your gut or mm-hmm. what Aaron says, like the, the holy heart or the holy heartburn or something like that. Um, mm-hmm. Like, w- was that the same kind of feeling like that revelation that like, this is the life that I want to live? Like, what was that like for you specifically when you're like, you know, did you have a moment when you're reading the notes by Bob Openshaw that you were like, oh, this is correct. This is right. Was there a moment like that? Okay. So my uh, kind of, kind of, there, okay. there were moments Okay. Um, I was ready to, to learn more. I was ready to go to the polygamous community. You were curious enough. Yeah. Go to Pinesdale and see what's going on. Meet with Bob Openshaw and Clyde Stoker and those guys. I don't know if you want name drops there, but that's fine. Um, they're both dead. Right. (laughs) Rest in peace. So we, we, we go down that road and, uh, get, I get baptized in Pinesdale. Okay. Oh, which by the way, you know, I've got, I've got a few cute little stories of going Hit to, me. I'm ready. Going to, to Fundy church. And, uh, <laughs> so we're, we're in Pinesdale and you know, in the LDS church, everybody's wearing a white shirt, tie, navy yep. blue jacket, dark pants. Yep. And I go in there and, and up walks, um, our favorite white O Bishop in his overalls, his galoshes, his flannel shirt that's still muddy from doing his chores that morning. And I'm like, <laughs> what in the heck is going on? And then, uh, rocking up to church, man. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. It was like, I like, I could get on board with that cause I yeah. hated having to get all trussed up and dressed and, yeah. and stuff like that. And then my first meeting down in 
Salt Lake. Okay. We go into the church and in walks um, this guy. And I'm sitting there and I'm watching this dude and he's walking up and down the aisles and he's kissing people like on the lips and kissing dudes on the lips. And I'm like, what in the, you know, I'm a 16 year old boy and he's making his way over and like, how am I getting out of this? <laughs> like, okay. you know, up to that point, I was reading the doctrines and yeah, yeah there's a lot of compelling evidence about polygamy and, sure. and, you know, Adam God doctrine and United Order, all these things that the church had abandoned. And I felt, well, truth is truth. You know, I should embrace historical truth. Okay. But the, yeah, some of those weird little, things that you find in a in at least that fundamentalist culture in the meetings were off-putting to say the least okay you know so we, and so we met with brother owen the prophet and yeah. he yeah, this is when we were getting baptized and getting the dad and mom were getting the ordinances and we're meeting with him and he's he we all stand up and he's going down the line kissing uh kisses my mom and kisses my dad which i was like whoa and then he's kissing chad and i'm just like D- how am i getting out of this you, you didn't know? want brother on to kiss you yeah he goes in for the smooch and i did the, the, the you the know turn. The, the turn and got the got the lips on the cheek from brother owen but uh yeah i don't know <laughs> I didn't know that That's Brother Owen did that. indelibly on my, on my mind. <laughs> I had no idea that Brother Owen was just giving out smooches. Oh, yeah. Dude, <laughs> I, I don't... Well, I haven't been around for... A while. It's been a long time. How long has it been? I, I have been officially... Out. Yeah. Out for over 15 years. Wow. Which is... That's a long time. That's weird. Yeah, that must be. Yeah, when I was disinvited, when I was asked to not attend anymore... Can Which, I put a, that doesn't happen much. I was going to say, can we put a pin in that? I want to ask you about that specific instance, but I don't want to derail what you were talking about earlier about like just church stories. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, th- those are the, those are the couple. Oh, okay. I mean, there's so many from like sacrament stew. To, <laughs> what the hell is sacrament stew? Uh, just the, just the bread floaties in the, oh, dude, in the water. Dude, I, I have had so, <laughs> oh, you know, I, I would pass sacrament literally. Nearly every Sunday. Yeah. And by the end of it, that cup, Ugh. it, it was so, no longer water. It's so gross. It, it's it was so, sacrament stew. It's so gross. And the guy at the end who has the cup, well, you, you, can't, can't, you can't leave the holy it's been blessed. water. It's been, yeah. yeah. And you can't just dispose of that. The way it has to be partaken of. And Oh, it makes you feel so uncomfortable. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm having a reflex. Oh, no. <laughs> Just remembering how many servings of, of sacrament stew that you've had. Yes. Oh, that is so nasty. In, in our <laughs> post-COVID world, I don't know if they still do that anymore. But Well, uh, I mean, anytime that there's a whooping cough that blazes through the, the town, they don't pass sacrament. I mean, maybe for the listeners, we ought to say, how does it become stew? Yeah. <laughs> In the, in the AUB and many fundamentalist cultures, you don't have your individual cup yeah, so for the, sacraments. I think we've kind of touched on this a little bit, but I think it were, is worth explaining again. So in the mainstream LDS church, how they pass sacrament is they very like a little little cart, you know, basket mm-hmm. thing, and they have tiny little itty-bitty shot glasses. It's like a half a shot, yeah. you can think. It's, it's sanitary. Right? It's sanitary. It's water, own. and you just pass it just down the row, and you take your little... New plastic cup, you shoot it, and then you put it in the little middle where you can dispose the little cup. No germs, you're perfect. Yep, it's all good. It's all good. Fundamentalists, not Not so so much. much. (laughs) (laughs) So me as the sacrament passer has a glass of water, and I I hand it to one person, I take it back, and they put their lips on it, suck it down, and anything that might backwash in is Is now in the back in the cup. Yep. Go to the next person, next person, next person. Little eight-year-old kids eating their Cheerios. There's a Cheerio in the cup. You keep going. You yep. keep going. It's, um, well, and that's a difference between, almost not a fundamental difference, but that's a doctrinal difference between the LDS church and the fundamentalists is like only priesthood holders could pass the sacrament. So technically passing you know, from mother to son in the LDS church with passing the basket is that a, a right. difference? Right. Yeah, exactly. It okay. needs to be from the hand of an ordained uh, you know, someone in the priesthood. Yeah. 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 Okay. Gotcha. Otherwise, it, 
it's an actual ordinance that can't be. And I, I, I get the rationale. The logic is I mean, there, yeah, but I like, it, but you know, whatever. Yeah. And it's so, also gross. It, it's very gross. Yeah. <laughs> when I look back on it. I mean, I didn't think it was gross at the time. I was just like, yeah, this is what I'm going to do, you yeah. know? And you, you just, just had like, this sense of duty to just choke that shit down? Yep. Righteousness oh, God. to the fore. Ugh. Man. I, I am, I mean, it's really good that, uh, that that is a thing because our immune systems growing up were just stalwart we just were fine you know like i mean there's a lot of people in fundamentalism that are like not about vaccinations and stuff and they have a little bit of a leg to stand on with that i think <laughs> because they're just their immune systems have been just so jacked up very robust like, immune it's system fine from sacrament it doesn't matter i can walk around barefoot i don't care <laughs> oh man it's so nasty so gross okay so i want to ask you about that thing about being disinvited mm. so you go through this process. Oh, actually, before we get yeah, to that. Yeah, we probably had to go deeper. Yeah, I think before that. I have always known, I mean, you were bishop mm-hmm. down. Maybe we could talk about that. So mm-hmm. you were you worked your way up to being ordained as the bishop for Rocky Ridge. Yeah, okay. Well, yeah. We, we left off with talking about Pinesville. Sure. Um, I, I, the reason why I, I finally decided to go, honestly, was, um, and this is a fun story. We moved to Utah. I'm still in the church. I'm LDS. Gonna, yes. How I'm old are you? Um, 16. Okay. I'm still in the church. I'm almost 17. Okay. And the bishop of the church, the mainstream LDS church, brings me and Chad in. Okay. He wants to interview us because the bishop from Washington warns them and says, hey, uh, this family's, you know, apostatized. He brings us in, says, where are you at? And um, me and Chad both tell him, well, we want to go on a mission. We're in the church. And he says, do you follow your father? And we're like, well, what do you mean, follow your father? Like, I mean, he's got some points. And it's just a book. He's given us books to read. And he says, he, he made a, an ultimatum. And he says, right here in this meeting, you have to take an open stand against your father and you have to be willing to move out of the home as soon as possible. Man, it's very familiar because I had the exact same yep. experience. And I just, I was 16 years old and, you know, pretty headstrong. And I was just like, oh, really? Yeah. And I was just like, well, fine. No, I'm not going to do that. Yeah. And he made my mind up for me. Yeah. That, that was the first moment you were talking about these moments. That was the first moment where I went, okay. I'm, I'm in the AUB. Yeah. I'm fundamentalist. Oh, okay. So he pushed oh, my hand. I was like, I don't know. Do I want church? I mean, it's compelling. The arguments, the doctrine is very compelling to go fundamentalist, but I, I, I love the church. I have a testimony of the church. I yeah. have a testimony of Ezra Taft Benson, you know. Sure. And so I was conflicted. Yeah. He made my resolve. That bishop oh. in the church by pushing my hand and telling me you have to disavow your father. Yeah. Like I love my dad, you know, well, and yeah. you know, he's my hero. Yeah. And, um, and so that was it. Yeah. That was when I finally went, okay, I'm not going to church anymore. Wow. I'm done with the church. I didn't know that. I thought it was just a, you know, you were so compelled by Moroni chapter 10, you know, and that's just an LDS thing, but also just with, you know, like <clears throat> that idea of, you know, asking in faith and then mm-hmm. the truth being revealed to you through the mm-hmm. notes or, or whatever, you know, literature that grandpa gave you. I thought it was that that was convincing you instead of the bishop being like, you have to do this. And you were like, absolutely not. Now I'm going this way. I mean, that was the, that was the polarizing moment. Okay. And then I went after it. And I was like, okay, now, okay, I'm really invested in this. Okay. And so I, I became invested in, uh, I need a testimony of this. Is this where I need to be? Mm-hmm. Right. And so I asked, and we can talk about what I believe God is now versus what I believe God is then. And or God was then. <laughs> yeah. Right. Because it's, I, I, I know I received something, oh, whether, okay. whether or not it would, its origin is just within me or not. We, I mean, sure. that's, that's more existential, but, uh, I, I definitely, can claim that I received a testimony, whatever that origin was, of the church and Ezra Tap Benson yeah. and my place within the church Okay, as a young boy and then as an adolescent boy. And then I received the same thing about that I needed to be in the AUB and Brother Owen okay. would be my leader. And then transport later, 
I received that same kind of affirmation that I shouldn't be in the AUB anymore and then my deconversion from fundamentalism. So all three of those instances were of the same intensity? Yes. Okay. Uh, Calibration, for sure. Okay, gotcha. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. That's really interesting. So, so, yeah. So, and then then I did, and I received that, um, and I was all in. All in AUB. all, All in fundamentalist in the AUB. Like, and I qualify that on purpose, but, uh, yeah. And I, I mean, I like to refer to it, you know, I drank the Kool-Aid, it was blue and it was delicious. Mm -hmm. I went down that hole. Yeah. I was going to be the best fundamentalist there ever was. Yeah. You know, I was going to heaven and it didn't matter how hard it was. Get out of my way. (laughs) Yep. I mean, I was going to do it. I was going to do everything that there ever was. And I was very dedicated and and I was genuine in that. I mean, I really, really wanted to live it. And then, you know, one thing led to another and I got married to Polly, Mm -hmm. you know, and then, and we can just go down that real quick is, you know, I married Polly eight months later, I married Robin. Yeah. You know, a year and a half to that, Married Rosemary. Yeah. Another couple of years. Married Noni. Another couple of years. Married Rhonda. By the time I was 29, I had five wives. You were 29 and you had five wives. 29. Five. I'm 28 and still searching. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, so it happened quick and I was, you know, very dutiful. I mean, yeah. I, I was, um, I, I was voracious in the doctrine and learning it all. Yeah. I mean, my library's pretty robust mm-hmm. and, um, you know, I was working in the temple by the time I was, you know, and I was a 70 apostle, um, you know, I was quote unquote rewarded for my diligence. Rewarded. And, uh, Did you yeah. receive your seconds? Um, no, no, you didn't. No, I was, okay. I received further ordinances beyond the, the initial ordinances. Maybe that's a reference that we should explore just or just define for a second. And I know that we talked about this in episode one with my dad, but you have your first endowments and your second endowments. Mm-hmm. Can you give me just a quick elevator pitch of what those two things are? Sure. Yeah. I mean, there's gradations of ordinances within the Mormon cosmology and yes. theology, baptism, mm-hmm. then on to first endowments you get your washing and anointings and your endowments in the yeah. temple or in the endowment house. Yeah. And then if you prove, and in which you are, you're promised that you'll become a God if you remain worthy, you know, you become a king and a priest, right? Yes. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And, and, you know, and I was asked to work in their temple and, you know, and that's, I, and I have that's, the whole Mormon endowment memorized. Yeah. And that's both of the, that's AUB and LDS. That's yeah. identical, right? Uh, that process, their their endowments a little bit changed. The wordings and like that kind of thing. The wordings, or, okay. some some of the way they administer it. Okay. Um, some of the penalties have been watered down, but honestly, I mean, the fundamentalists act like they haven't watered down theirs. But if you look at the originals, they have. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. The, the penalties, even in the AUB, are watered down from the way Brigham initially well, I mean, did it. I mean, it's, it goes without saying, and, he, and anybody who's listening can definitely just do a quick little Google it's search of... Uh, Brother Brigham was a little bloodthirsty. Yes. Yes, he was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You will enact vengeance for Joseph Smith's spilt blood. Yes, right? and, and if you and, don't, then you have to slit your own throat. And, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, disembowel. Yep. So... All of that is it's so, it's, it's pretty it's, well the same. It's kind of funny just like how casually we talk about, oh, well, you just look your throat. You just doesn't matter. Yeah, rip your tongue out by the roots. <laughs> yeah, anyway, sorry. <laughs> but, so that's the first. Yeah. That's, those are your first. You're promised to become such, right? Yeah, if, if King's you remain, priest, yeah. If you remain worthy. Second anointing is you have now been found worthy and you are proclaimed. You are good to go. You are anointed yeah. A God on earth. Wow. With all those privileges. Like you have power over the elements. You have the ability to choose the time and manner of your death. Sickness has no influence over you. What? The, it's a little That's, interesting that I know people who had these who died a horrible death. Yeah. Begging for the morphine. Yeah. So that they didn't have to feel this pain anymore. I'm yeah. pretty sure that they would you know, have um, snapped their <laughs> finger as a god on earth 
and relieve the suffering without the morphine. Every single person that I've ever heard of receiving their second endowments has uh, died. Or at so every person that, or they didn't choose the manner of their death, right? Yeah, right. You know, like most colon cancer isn't savory. It's really not. It's yeah. really not. Yeah, like you would think that they would be able to be like, you know what? This is kind of hurts. I don't want to feel this mm, anyway. Prostate cancer. Yeah. Hmm, I think that's a good way to go. Yeah, no, no. that'll be fun. <laughs> yeah, I'll just try that feeling for my last three years of life. Yeah. So I, I poke fun, and I, I don't know. No, that's the nicest thing to do. Oh, that's fine. We can we can poke fun. I poke fun all the time. I do it professionally. <laughs> so. But so that's the seconds, and and I was I was on the high road to get those. Sure. And I have there's stories around me trying to be manipulated to convince my wives to take their earrings out. Really? With the lure of, you know, there's further blessings if uh, you can just convince your wives to play nice and not wear makeup or earrings anymore. Yeah, that was an interesting one. W- was there an intention? As I went, and, I, and then I was like, wait a minute. I thought, I thought seconds were from revelation. Yeah. Like, I thought the head of the priesthood and the council actually were that God visited you and said, this man has proven himself worthy. Because that's what we've been taught the yeah. whole time, right? That God speaks to you, like and literally. Says he is worthy because the only one who could determine that would be God, right? Yeah. Well, I was told, if they remove it, you know, there's further blessings waiting for you. I'm like, Why is did that? I just hear what I just heard? Like, you're bargaining? So was that a moment where you started like, oh, question mark, bing. Well, no, that was uh, an affirming. Okay. I, I had been questioning a lot before well, When that. did you start questioning? That's, I've never asked you that before. When did that process start for you? Because you were, I mean, five oh, wives all and all that. You were, you were in it. You were in, in, in. And the reason why I wanted to bring this up is like, I remember since you were being a bishop and all that stuff, I've, I had always been under the assumption is like, Brady's going to be the prophet. Like yeah. that's going to, that's going to happen. Like I always thought that. Well, I was certainly being groomed. Um, but yeah, I don't, I don't know what other people are thinking, but sure. I, I could see the influences in my life. I could see the privileges. I could, you know, I was a confidant of brother Owen. I was a confidant of Lemoyne. Yeah. Um, I was definitely well favored by many members of the council sure, and given a lot of callings and responsibilities. You know, I was, you know, like I said, a 70 apostle. I was, the, you were in, you I were was in. the bishop yeah. over Rocky Ridge, the United order and, uh, and well liked, Yeah, you know, and yeah, as many people like to say, I have a silken tongue. <laughs> and um, <laughs> so, you know, I, sure. I could talk and, and, uh, and I was very well versed. In all of Mormon theology, I yeah. obviously still am. Yeah, and then um, I've never been afraid to question. I've never been afraid to grow, and the only way you can grow is to question. Right? I agree. Yeah. It, you, if you haven't, I like to say this, and as a side note, if you haven't found out you're wrong lately, there's something wrong. Yeah. Like <laughs> I get excited when I'm challenged. Yeah. And someone says you're wrong. Because in the, in the past, I didn't, wasn't this way. I would go, oh, I got challenge. I am too, right? And I can prove why I'm right. You dug your heels in further. No, yeah. when someone challenges me at, in a reasonable and rational way that's actually you can prove, um, that's an opportunity for me to grow. Yeah. Because that, I get to find out I was wrong. Yeah. If you've never found out you're wrong, you've never grown. It's true. And if you haven't found out you're wrong lately. Yeah. Definitely. You should go, something's wrong here because I haven't grown then. You can't grow unless you find out you're wrong. Yeah. So anyway, so I kept on challenging myself. And honestly, the first reason why I started questioning, I was in a position as a bishop to hear a lot of shit. That's exactly what I wanted to talk to you about. Because, I mean, I work as a mental health professional and everything too, but... I mean, I have training and a little bit of certification backing mm-hmm. in order to be able to facilitate that in a, you know, ethical way. But I'm, I mean, I know that you're easy, very easy to talk to and everything else too, but you didn't, did, did the AUB have any sort of like training in as no, of course not. I was going to say not right. No. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, the, although they, <clears throat> they've made a token move to bring in uh, a few like cherished families with my good friend, Joe Darger and his wives um, have done 
and their independence, but they've done wonderful work in the fundamentalist polygamous communities, um, particularly in Utah, but also around yeah. in serving those communities in not, not just physically like, um, a woman who may be trying to leave an abusive relationship, they'll help find her a home or a temporary oh, place. That's great. But in yeah. addition to that, um, like therapy yeah. and um, emotional support and yeah. things like that. So, and AUB, I know, has invited them, uh, which, okay. it, which take your hat off to the AUB. Yeah. And that's the leadership some, have invited them that's to some come in that's and, some growth. and provide yeah. service. I, th I think that's wonderful, and yeah. they should be recognized for that effort. Um, so, um, so in, in your position as a bishop, you, you heard a lot of yeah, shit. Yeah, I heard a lot. And, you know, I had a lot of women come to me with stories that you're just like, oh my gosh, I'm, I'm yeah. here for you. What yeah. can I do to support you? And, and stories of abuse, you know, from little girl all the way up to husbands and, yeah. and stuff like that. And then I would hear stories of, uh, well, I would sit in, in meetings. I, me and you could have five podcast episodes Let's do of it. 70s corn. <laughs> and the, the complete bullshit uh. that is discussed in there. I mean, it, it, it's horrendous. Is it? Uh, there's, I've been asked several times when I was doing my TV show. Yeah. I would I was just come up with some, oh, yeah, this one. You know, like injecting whatever chips into your bloodstream and <laughs> from vaccinations. And, I mean, so, you know, lizard people under the ground, hollow earth, flat earth, you name it. And it was all just like, so it sounds like seventies quorum was the, the quorum was, was a heavy Q influence. Oh, dude, I'm sure Q is like a guest lecturer. I mean, <laughs> that's why quorum starts with a Q man. It all makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> QAnon is there. Uh, oh my God. But uh, yes. I'm sorry, me and you get off topic. It's really fine. Good. That's um, okay. The, yeah, I, uh, there was a lot of shit, and, but there was also a lot of, this is why I went to the 70s quorum, patriarchal abuse. This abuse of power, this, this um, privileged uh, status that men have. Yeah. And, and then I would see. I would see how these men were empowered to be uh, misogynistic. Yeah. I would see this rampant homophobia. Yeah. Which I just couldn't. Well, I, I, I would, I definitely, and I'm embarrassed to say this for sure. I participated in that in my, in my thoughts and certainly in my flippant nature toward uh, homosexuals. Yeah. You know, and, and I'm embarrassed by it now because I'm completely the other way. I just don't. It's so funny. I, I feel the exact same way. You know, it, it yeah. makes me cringe. You know, I, yeah. I'm stuttering over my voice because That's okay. I just, ugh. Yeah. I cringe at it. Well, it means that you've grown as well. I think that that idea of like, if you haven't grown yet lately, like what's wrong? I think the best way to describe that is like, you know how when you're like falling asleep and you're like thinking of that one time in third grade when you said something stupid to that girl you liked and you're just like, oh, why did I, oh, and you kind of cringe at yourself. Yeah, yeah. How, like, when was the last time you cringed at yourself type of idea? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I cringe at myself all the time. I have to stop. Dude, I just, it's a cringe fest. <laughs> There's so much I've just so said I there. participated in. Yeah, yeah. And, and as I keep thinking, I'm like, oh, does this really make sense? Is it, you know, should I really be racist? You know, yeah. does it really make, wait a minute, but Elijah Abel and the stories and does it really make sense that just because their skin is dark that, you know, they're cursed and uh, anyway, on and on. And then one of these defining moments is Carly, my yeah. daughter mm -hmm. is, and she's been on. Yep. Um, she was, she turned 12 and I had a particularly tough Sunday listening to just horrible stuff. And, uh, I should tell the story of Rosemary's mom and me um, having a discussion about... I should. Yeah. Okay, So because this is a clarion call for me. I was completely drinking the Kool-Aid, and yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm building my house in Rocky Ridge, and while I'm building it, me and Rosemary are living with her mother. And I come home from work, and Rosemary's gone to... She was taking massage therapy classes. And it's just me and 
me and her mom. And we're in the living room and we're just sitting there talking and and she's just the sweetest lady in the world. Yeah. And she's she's one of the grand matriarchs of the group. Yeah. Like yep. women go to her yes. to receive solace and advice yes. on how to live polygamy. Yep. She hears it all from mm-hmm. the women. Yep. And I'm I'm just sitting there talking and I've just you know, your daughter is so amazing. You know, and Rosemary's my third wife. And she looks at me and I see her just kind of tilt her head. And I go, she's just, she's so beautiful. She's so, you know, I'm just so in love with your daughter. And, you know, I wasn't trying to prop it up or make her feel, I, I was just, yeah. we were having a genuine discussion. And I says, thank you so much yeah, for this woman who, you know, because of you and your daughter. And, and she goes, she looks at me and after I say, I am so in love with her. She looks at me and she goes, you really mean that, don't you? I go, well, yeah, yeah, of course I mean that. Yeah. And she's just like, do you know how rare that is? What? And I, I was. Wait, hold on. For real? Yeah. So I wasn't bishop at this time. You know, I'm 25, 26 years old. And I look at oh, her and I, and I go, what do you mean it's rare? And she says, uh, oh, Brady, like I would say well over 90% of the men who marry into polygamy don't love their wives. They may grow to love them, but they don't. don't they, love them. Yeah. And, and she says, maybe they, they might have the, and she says, I don't think the men have the ability to actually love in the way you're talking about, you know, that deep, just, yeah. Yeah. Twitter pated love. Yeah. Right? yeah you yeah. know, where you're just like, oh, yeah, yeah. You're falling yeah. over. Yeah. yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. And, um, and she says, I just think that's so rare. And I just was taken back. I just assumed. And I go, well, why would you ever marry if you don't have that? I mean, I was naive yeah. for sure. Yeah. And cause I, that's the way I grew up. Yeah. Is that, yeah. You would only marry someone that you're just completely head. And over this is your third wife. wife. And yeah. this is my third wife. And yeah. And I can uh, listen. I agree with, with her now because in the privileged position I was as a bishop, I saw it. If anything, she was, she was generous in the percentage of men that love all their wives that much. Okay. And like maybe one, if they're lucky, they have the ability to do it too. Yeah. But when you get beyond that, like it's, so many men would come to me and still do. Honestly, it's, it's kind of weird. I okay. still have a lot of polygamists come to me, even though I've been out for this many years. Yeah. Um, but they, they just don't have the ability or, or they never even did. They're doing it for, they're doing it out of duty and, yeah, and, and, and just I responsibility. Mean, and they're taught to, yeah, I want to go to heaven. I want to be able to be with my first wife forever. So I better marry another one. Yeah. To keep this first one who I'm Twitter pated with. <clears throat> it seems as though the, the, the first wife, I mean, this, I mean, anybody who's watched your TV show can, cause you guys talk about it on the show of like mm-hmm. the queen bee aspect and, mm-hmm. and everything else. Um, and it seems as though that the, the polygamous men fall head over heels, Twitter pated in love with their first wife. And then mm-hmm. each subse- uh, subsequent wife after that is just like a lot less or hardly any at all from mm-hmm. what you're explaining. Is that accurate? Yeah. yeah but it not necessarily because sometimes yeah. they don't and they are head over heels in love with their third and because they've fallen out of love with, with their, their first, first who's yeah. being a bitch. Oh, sure. Sure. Right. And so, yeah. Can you fall out of love? Of course you can. Yeah. And, um, and so anyway, I saw this in stark review. Yeah. And I did not want that for my little girl. I was just like, She's 12 I, years old. I know Carly is going to get married. She's going to fall in love with some kid. Who's going to go on some Jessup idiot. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, um, and then she's going to be stuck in this homophobic, racist, patriarchally privileged, just misogynist group. Yeah. And I went, I'm pretty good at separating myself from where I'm at and just being able to look back at it. And I go, I don't want that for her. Yeah. And so I got to get real about this. Mm-hmm. Like, where am I? What in the hell am I doing? Because wow. this shit's real. Like, this is my baby. Yeah. 
And if anything, I hyper identify with the role of father and husband. Sure. Before anything else. Yep. And, uh, and that was, that was a slippery slope for me for sure, because I was, I was determined to figure it out. And I knew all the pieces didn't fit. I don't know how they didn't fit because here I, I'm I'm being, yeah. I mean, earlier in the podcast, I, I said, yes, I have a testimony. I'm supposed to be here. Yeah. Now I have this, I can't let my daughter be here. This almost protective instinct of yeah, like, like oh, we got to get out of here. Yeah, like, yeah. And there's all these things that I, you know, and a lot of your guests have said they put it on the shelf. They put it on the shelf. Yep. You know, that's a neat little term. Mm-hmm. Put it on the shelf. If you yeah. can't figure it out, God yeah. will visit and take care of that shelf for you. Oh my, you know, just like yeah. my shelf got yeah. so laid down and it just, just bu- busted. Yep. Yep. Done. And so here I am and, um, you know, and then there's the Justin story, uh, of, Going into the woods. You know? Oh, that's right. So uh, we could do a shameless plug for your friend's podcast, uh, Year of Polygamy. Um, oh, yeah. Lindsay's, Lindsay. po- Lindsay's yeah. podcast. Um, I listened to your episode, and anybody who is interested to hear you talk about it can just go to Year of Polygamy and, um, and listen to your episode on there. But the story of Justin, I think, is an amazing story. So yeah. you can uh, highlight that for the listeners, yeah, for my bet. podcast in particular. <laughs> <laughs> you bet. You bet. Um, so I'm a wilderness survival nut. Loved it. Uh, went back to... Uh, this wilderness survival class and and up up to that point for about two years I had just been wrestling like there's something more there's something missing yeah very unsettled Uh, here I am a bishop here I am working in the temple I have five wives 25 kids you know well not 25 at the time but lots of kids and something's not right I knew I had no skeletons in the closet there okay. was there was nothing I needed to go to my priesthood leader to to confess. Yeah. Uh, as far as I knew, dude, all I had to do, and I went to the prophet and I says, "What more do I need to do? What more do I need to do?" And this was Owen at the time. Uh, no, this is Lemoyne at the time. Okay. And um, and he said, "Just keep doing. Keep going. Just, just hold on. You're good you know? to go." And I'm like, "Just, just hold on. Yeah, just hold on." And I'm like, wait, because I had ticked off every box yeah. except for my, my final in, uh, second anointings. And <laughs> I was just like, that can't be right. Yeah. Like I've got my scroll. I go to heaven. I flip out my scroll. All the boxes are checked. Right. You done did it. Yeah. And all I got, and here I'm just 30 something. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, mm, that just doesn't seem right. You know, there's got to be more to this. And I kept going, pestering God. There's got to be more. What am I missing? What am I missing? What am I missing? Asking in earnest faith. Yeah. And then here's Carly. And I'm, oh, these questions are real. Mm-hmm. Uh, these, this doesn't feel right to me. You can't, you can't avoid it. Yep. And uh, so I go to, I, I'm out in the woods. And, uh, you know, I got my debris hut made. And, well, briefer version sure so i'm on the plane okay uh and this well i'm going through the airport in cincinnati and and this guy who's got tattoos in his backpack and and he's got gauged out ears and stuff like that and he's he walks by and i, I just noticed this guy he looks at me and he smiles and i'm like mm. all right mm. smile cool mm. yeah and i'm I'm endowed with the full Melchizedek priesthood and, um, and, and I'm immersed. There's no one with the priesthood in all of the state of Ohio, you know? Yeah. And, uh, yeah. So I'm very to myself. I'm, I'm daining everybody with your, you're on your horse. Yes. It's very tall. Yeah. I'm very righteous. And these are all Babylonians. (laughs) Sure. Sure. They're all Gentiles. Yeah. And this guy smiles at me like, "Mm." Okay, whatever. And uh, you lowly peasant, <laughs> smiling at someone such that, as me. It yeah, that bad. Yeah, but yes, I mean, I don't interact with Gentiles. And uh, <laughs> such so, a funny way to say it. And uh, and then I get on the airplane, and the same guy walks by, and and he's like, "Hey," you know, he points, "Hey," and I go, "Hey," <laughs> yeah, and he walks back and passes me, and then we're out waiting for a shuttle, and then. Clicks. Hey, we're going to the same place. Oh, okay. And he's headed. He's headed to the same wilderness survival week that we're going on. 
And uh, he jumps on the shuttle and sits next to me. He's like, hey, you're going. Awesome. Let's talk. And he's, he's just very friendly to me. And I'm like. Gregarious. Yeah, and, and I can't that. get away yeah. from this guy. And yeah, his yeah. And his sticky being all nice to me <laughs> stuff, you know, because he smokes and he's got tattoos yeah, and he's a skinhead and yeah. all this stuff. And uh, long story short, we're there. I, not- I keep noticing him. And he's 20-something, you know, the young yeah. 20s. And How old were you at this time? Um, I'm 30. Early 30s, mid-30s? Yeah, early, okay. it, it's got to be early 30s. Okay, gotcha. And... Um, so this guy's his name's Justin. Significantly younger than you. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Dozen years younger. And I just keep no I can't I can't help but notice him constantly being kind. He's going out of his way to just be kind to everybody. And and it's obvious to me. Yeah. And I I notice him be Super kind to this middle-aged lady who's obviously balding. She's quite a bit overweight. Yeah. She's very awkward. Everybody's leaving her alone because she's, she's hunkered down. She's not interacting with anybody, and nobody's interacting with her because yeah. she's, she's unattractive in her personality and in her appearance. Not Justin. I see Justin hey, sits down next to her, kind of shoulder bumps her, what you doing? Yeah. And she perks up and has this conversation with Justin for, and it's not just casual, it's like a good half hour. Yeah. You know, over lunch. And, and I, I mean, I left the lady alone too. Like, yeah. I didn't interact at all. Yeah. And here I am, Christ's representative on earth. <laughs> well, and then I noticed something, and, th- and this is a dis- real good distinction to me, is there's the Fabio guy. Sure. Yeah, he's, he's late 20s, muscular build, yeah. you know, shoulder length hair. Everybody, guys and girls, are attracted to They gravitate to him. towards this yes. guy. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, charismatic. Everybody wants to talk to him. Sure. And, uh, and then I noticed, and I mean, you could hardly find a time to where you could actually have a conversation with him because everybody mm-hmm. was. And then I noticed Justin pop in and talk to him. And it dawned on me, like, he, he's being uh, this way to everyone. Yeah, everybody. Everybody. Okay. Everybody I see, it doesn't, he, he's not seeing any, he's not seeing the, the outside. He's just being kind to everyone. Mm-hmm. And over the first two or three days, and I, I sit down next to Justin. And all this time, Justin's always looking at me and, hey, how hey, you how's doing? Going? How's it yeah. going? You know, yeah. checking in on you and stuff. I sit down next to him after dinner one night and says, dude, I got I to gotta know your story. And he says, awesome. I love telling my story. I said, cool. So we sit until two in the morning when I finally go back to my shelter. But, and he tells me the story about being this wayward kid. His older brother got caught up in uh, gangs, drugs, stealing girls, all this stuff. And his mom says... Not stealing girls, but stealing comma yeah, girls. Yeah, robbery, gotcha. grand theft. <laughs> and his brother was doing time. Yeah, okay. And, uh, and his mom's like, I'm not going to lose another boy. And sent him... And he says, and I was going down the same path, Brady. I was, I was 16 years old. I was yep. in the gang. I was going to happen. And my mom sent me off to one of these outward bound programs in Washington yeah. where you go out in the woods and for wayward youth. And, yep. and he says, so, you know, I hated, I hated the world. They did an intervention. They actually grabbed me and, and uh, forced me into the woods. And he got gooned as they say in the industry. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah you've done one of those. Yep, yep. So you worked yep. in that. So he was one of them. He got gooned and he says, I'm out in the woods. I don't know where anything is. I can't go. They leave me alone. They give me a bag of beans and rice and a gallon of water. And they say, we'll see you tomorrow. And he, <laughs> he says, after two days, and I was just spitting fire. I hated everybody and everything. And I'm sitting there taking a piss. And I hear this rustling in the bushes behind me. And I turn around. And there's a bear. And it's like from me to you. No way. Yeah, it just crossed like three or four feet away. And it gets up on its hind and it's a rah, rah, rah. He's going to eat me. And he says, I just, I prayed to God, save me. And the bear, he says, I'm not shitting you, Brady. The bear dropped down on all fours, turned around, walked away. And he says, and me and God, 
for the rest of that week, had a conversation. And the conversation was, I owed my life to God. What do I need to do now? And he says, to sum it all up, Brady, all I had to do was love everybody I ever came into contact with again. That is so powerful. And I was just listening to him. Wow. And it just, it pierced me, Chris. Wow. Yeah. I I was, it was exactly what I needed to hear. And, and I just, you know, we sat and talked. It was like one in the morning and I find my way back to my debris hut out in the woods all by myself. Mm -hmm. And I'm just sitting there reeling. And obviously the years up to that had primed me for this moment. If there is a crescendo moment in my evolution to where I'm at now, um, this is one of those cardinal moments. Yeah. And I get in that and I, I was so humiliated because I knew, I knew I didn't hold a candle to Justin. In the eyes of God or just yeah. in general? In, in, yeah. Yes. Okay. So and yeah, in fact, I even said, sure. in general, I, this is how I felt like, he is so Christ-like. I mean, mm, this, there you go. The, and he said, oh, and, and to qualify that, he says, and so from that moment forward, that's what I do, Brady. Everybody who I meet needs my love. Oh, and here's another qualifier. I go, well, what, you know, what religion are you? You know, are you, are you Protestant? Are you Catholic? You know, just assuming you, he's got to be Christian. He's got to be right? something, right? Yeah. And he, he's, he's got to be in a box because that's how my brain works. Exactly. <laughs> and I go, so, you know, are you Christian? And he goes, Christian, that's that Christ dude, right? And I go, yeah. And he says, yeah, I heard about him. Nah, nah, no, not really. And I go, are you Baptist? What, what are you? And he goes, I, you know what? God just wants me to love people. That's it. And I love everyone. That is so awesome. And I'm going to spend the rest of my life showing everyone I come into contact with that I love them, whether it's a smile, whether it's a, a nod, whether it's a, a full-on interaction. Yeah. And he did, and, and he was a perfect example of it. Anyway, I go back to my debris hut, and, um, and I collapse into this, uh, God, where am I? Like, I have all of the, or- I, I'm doing everything right. Why do I feel so bad? All the boxes are checked. Yes. Yeah, what's going on? All the boxes yeah. are checked. Yeah. You know, I have this beautiful family. I don't have any skeletons in my closet. I'm, I'm working in the temple. I'm a 70 apostle. I'm this, I'm that, I'm this, I'm that. And it, w- it was opened up to me that I, I didn't even hold a candle to Justin. That yeah. all of those things meant nothing when I didn't have that love. Because yeah. that's what we're, that's the whole point. Yeah. The yeah. whole point is to have that kind of love. Yeah. And I didn't have none of it. All yeah. I could do is judge everybody. Yeah. With my righteousness and my priesthood, you know, and, and I, I'm speaking in hy- hyperbolically, but, um, because I think I'm a pretty nice guy and I think I always yeah. have been a pretty nice guy. Yeah. But if I just strip away all my justifications, Sure. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. My priesthood was more important than my love. Yeah. Right. My dad talked about that in his episode where he was like, why are you doing this? It's not for, you know, this, this grander purpose. It's because you're selfish. Yeah. You I want- wanted my eternal reward. Exactly. Yeah. You're doing it because, you know, that's, that's how I get to where I want to be. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Anyway, and it, it, it all got stripped away. Wow. I was completely humiliated. I, and that's the real word for it. I, I was so humbled. I was so ashamed of myself. Yeah. And it changed me. Wow. I, I was changed. And I knew, not, not that I was given anything other than the knowledge that I was loathsome. Yeah. In that righteousness. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, you know, I've written a blog, and I call it The Death of the Would-Be King. The Death of the Would-Be King. Yeah. There you go. Shameless plug. Let's do it. <laughs> which, which means, essentially, I was promised to become a king. Yeah. And he died. He wow. died in that debris hut. And, and then I went home and decided I would change who I am, that I would be that loving person, that I would do whatever it took 
to be that. I would go yeah. through whatever it took to be that. Yeah. And that that was also a way to serve my family and to get them authenticity and, and reality and get away from, I knew, I knew I had to leave fundamentalism yeah. at that point. But wow. like I say, that was terrifying, Chris. Yeah. Because I knew where my wives were at. That's another I part. I knew I would le- lose all of them. Yeah. I wanted to ask you about that as well, because I mean, I know your story because, you know, almost like a, I, we were obviously orbiting that same thing at that same time, mm-hmm. you know, and my parents have been out for roughly the same amount of time, right? Yeah. They, they were a little bit after me. A little bit yeah. after you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so I remember when you decided to, you know, leave and, and, mm-hmm. you know, do all that stuff. I was like, oh, okay, cool. You know, I had already been having my doubts and stuff as well, but I wanted to ask you about what that process was like when you had this, you know, spiritual, you know, reinvention or mm-hmm. renaissance of yourself mm-hmm. um, and then bringing that news to all five of your wives. Mm-hmm. Like, what was that like? That must've been, I mean, I know that they all kind of came to their own conclusions in their own time, mm-hmm. but what was that like for you? Well, in the beginning, I wouldn't do it. I went, you, for, oh, you, I, I went for years completely internal. Really? They, they saw that I was a much more loving less judgmental person. Okay. But this whole idea that the group wasn't where it was at, that authority and priesthood, priesthood and blah, blah, all, blah, that, all that, that, that was just whatever. Yeah. Um, that truly, it was truly just love. And mm-hmm. it didn't even matter if Christ was at the head of that. Yeah. It was love. It was, what, what type of person are you? That's it. Stop. There you go. Period. Period. End. End. Yeah. Yep. That's it. And, uh, and I just, cause I knew what it'd do. I knew it'd shatter the world. Yeah. If I said, no, I'm not, I'm not going to think gays are evil. I'm not gonna. Yeah. I, I couldn't, I, I just stopped judging. Mm-hmm. I stopped the rhetoric. I, and, and I even, I'm Bishop at this time. I'm working in the temple at this time. Oh my I God. I didn't know that. that that happened at the same time. I didn't yes. know that those timelines were crossed. Yes. Oh my God. All Brady. of this is happening. Holy shit. Right. At the, <laughs> even at the, it was at the beginning of my bishophood. That was at the beginning it, of it? Yes. And you, how long were you Bishop for? Five years. Holy shit, dude. Yeah. It was like, that's a I, long time. I started, I started with all of this, these experiences, you know, I was the hippie Bishop. I yeah, had the sure. long hair and yep. I was going to church and bare feet. Yep. Yeah. Yep. I, I was kind of a weirdo. Well, I am a weirdo, but, uh, (laughs) so all of this was happening at the same time and, and I couldn't reveal it, but I sat on it for two years and, but I would, they were like, so what do you think about this? And this is your wife's asking. Okay. Right. And they could tell that something was different because the rhetoric had changed. Yeah. And then I'd be reading a book and they'd pick up the book. What's this? And I, uh, I don't know, you know, and they would read it and, you know, in sacred loneliness, mm, uh, yes. some of these goodies mm-hmm. and they go, Whoa, you know, uh, putting on the mind of Christ, that book is powerful. And it was written by a gay ex Catholic monk Yeah, and, and they read it and then they, at the spoiler alert at the end, he reveals he's gay or two thirds yeah. of the way through and they're like, oh, but they've already digested these truths about what, the mind of Christ really is. Yeah. Which is very similar to what Justin yep. in his book. Mm-hmm. And uh, little bit by little bit by little bit, they found it on their own and just saw the man their husband had become. Yeah. And wanted to know more. Yeah. And so I would answer. And they would ask another question and I would just answer. And then on and on and on until they all came to the end. And I knew that if I tried to convince them it wouldn't have worked. It would, no. It had to be from them. Yeah. Because the, the, the same process was for you too, right? Yeah, it, for it, sure. Yeah, it had to come from If you. anybody tried, yeah, look at the bishop. The bishop tried yeah. forcing my hand yeah. and towards the truth. And, um, and so it needed to be from them, and, and they did. And each one of them has their great story. And I, and I hope, you know, you get each one of them or all of them or whatever. That's the plan your, for a few weeks from now. Because so. they are, these women are amazing. I agree. I mean, I was... I was born and bred to challenge authority. That's, you know, <laughs> and you guys have all like, heard grandpa. <laughs> yep. <laughs> um, so I was born, I was born to challenge. I was born to challenge my own thoughts, my own belief systems, 
They weren't. Yeah. They were programmed to be dutiful. Well, all of them grew up in polygamy. All of them. Yeah. And not only that, they were all either daughters or granddaughters of apostles. Yeah. And they're as blue blood as blue blood gets. Yeah. They were queens ready to be in any man's crown. Yeah. You know, and, uh, and here I am, you know, and they, but they, for them to make that move is so much more difficult that it's like me jumping over a hurdle and them jumping over the high jump. Yeah. I mean, it was like, sure. The move I made was nothing compared to the move they made. Yeah. Because of what was against them. Yeah. Here's their husband they love. Here's the, you know, saying and suggesting things that go against the very fiber of who they are. They're, you know, the sacrifices they would have to make, uh, being ostracized by their own siblings. And, you know, and there's some stories there that are just atrocious, I think, you know, of how they were treated when they did make the move they made out of fundamentalism. Yeah. And, and that's tough. And that's, you know, that I, I think it's unacceptable, but that's because of my value on family. Yeah. Being, being greater than ideology. And, uh, they went through a lot and to go through what they did took so much courage. That's my point. Yeah. And so much fortitude of spirit to, to be able to go through what they did. Yeah. And so, you know, just kudos to my ladies. They're so, you know, they're obviously beautiful and, but they're, they're so dynamic. Yeah. So I'm, I'm very much looking forward to sitting down with each and every one of them if they so choose. Yeah. Um, It would be awesome if they did. I mean, it's not like they haven't interviewed in front of (laughs) the world. Yeah. Thousands and thousands (laughs) of people. Um, I need to pee. Then we can talk about your show. Sweet. Cool.